Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Are you a busy mom who's tapped out? Do you feel stuck and unfulfilled? Do you feel like life is in control of you rather than you being in control of life? If so, you're going to want to listen in as Shonda and I talk about finding balance inside of motherhood. Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm Isabel Bridges, and I'm here with Shonda Morales. Welcome, Shonda. Hi, Isabel. It's great to be with you. So good to have you here. I'm really excited to dive into this topic with Shonda today. I want to talk about balance, if that's even possible. Um, (laughs) What is it? And if so, how do we get it? But before we dive in, Shonda, will you just introduce yourself to our listeners, let them know who you are, the work you do in the world. And then also this question I ask all of my guests, which is, what does empowerment mean to you? Yes. Hi. So I am Shonda Morales. I am a licensed clinical social worker. So I'm a psychotherapist by trade for the past 25 or so years. And I have a private practice and I continue to do that and see some clients on the on the side. Um, mostly I am involved with women and working with busy moms. And like you mentioned, trying to help them figure out a way to create a little bit more balance in their lives. And we'll talk about how I feel like that is not just not just possible, but really necessary for us. Um, and so I am a, I'm a mindfulness teacher in the past. I've brought mindfulness into my clinical work as a therapist, of course, in my life in general. And I started teaching it to moms um, and then ended up writing a book, Breathe Mama Breathe. And my second book is Don't Forget to Breathe. They're both filled with dozens of what we call mindful breaks, which are these really quick practices where we can bring a little bit of mindfulness into our lives in a way that is doable, sustainable, fun, and you don't have to stop what you're doing. So it's not one more thing to add to our to-do list. It is something that can be integrated right into our full days. And it helps us slow down this perception of time, uh, feel a little bit more in control and intentional with where we want to head in our lives. So I am also mom to two kids. I have a 21-year-old daughter who is going to graduate in May um, from college. And uh, my son is a fifth grader. He is 11, um, married to my husband for almost 25 years. And yeah, I live in Pennsylvania. And I say in my bio, I love to play outside. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm always fascinated by learning and hearing people's stories. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Sure. So I noticed that you have kids that are quite far apart in age. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your story? Yeah, yeah. So um, had my my husband used to joke, well, every 10 years, we'll have another one. But that that passed uh, <laughs> both by my age and circumstance. And I was like, nope, we're good. Um, so yeah, it was more of one of those things. We had my daughter, she was kind of a, a tough baby and a tough child, like sensory issues and anxiety. And even though I was a therapist, I didn't recognize everything. So I didn't realize kind of how hard she was to, to raise. And so there was this automatic 
whoa, I don't know if I can do this again for a while. And then by the time I uh, started to really think about it, it was more like, okay, at my age, I'm getting to be 40 here. We need to figure out, do we want to have another one? And so we had my son, but it's, you know, people ask what it's like to have such a spread with two kids. And it's, you know, it's pros and cons because people will sometimes ask me, you know, what is the best spread of age or, you know, how should we play on this if, if you're lucky enough to do so? Um, and there's no right answer, of course, right? And you just make it work. It's, we've had the benefit of having a, a babysitter for a while mm-hmm. before she went off to college. Um, and, uh, I, I always joke that, you know, especially when she was in her early teens, they used to they used to fight just like a bunch of toddlers. So it didn't really matter that there was 10 years apart. But yeah, it's been a fun, fun ride. And I think the benefit for my little guy is that I've seen not to sweat the small stuff with my daughter. I mean, I was very mm-hmm. much perfectionistic in the beginning of like, oh, my gosh, this matters so much to me. Of course, I want to be the best mom possible. Um, and really was type A recovering perfectionist. And I took that, of course, to mothering as we tend to do. And so I, I has thankfully kind of worked my way out of that over a few years. And by the time my son came along, he has the benefit of, you know, <laughs> getting placed in front of the TV with the hot dog. Like yeah. I never said I would do with my daughter kind of thing. So, you know, and I, because I see she's turned out great. She's really, really thriving and some of these little things just don't matter too much. So does balance relate to the stage of parenting that you find yourself in too? Or is it like an overall blanket? Oh, yeah, absolutely an overall blanket. I think, you know, whether it's motherhood, I think it's a little bit more challenging or a lot of bit more challenging for mm-hmm. us because we have so many other factors uh, to consider. But for everyone, and I consider life balance to be this ongoing, gentle recalibration of our priorities over the seasons of our lives. You know, it changes as as you have little ones. If you're in the trenches with little children, they need you all the time. Those needs are different. Um, when I have a college age, age kid, she likes to, you know, call me at 1130 at night and have a conversation when I want to mm-hmm. be in bed. So it's, you know, there are different needs and different um, seasons that we go through. So it's how do we pause and assess on an ongoing basis? And it doesn't need to be um, it doesn't need to be challenging or perfectionistic or difficult. It can actually be fun. And the more we are practicing these skills, the more we can kind of keep the balance in check and we notice more quickly when we've fallen out of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I realize I didn't answer your question about empowerment. Oh, so yes. if I could go back to that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so empowerment to me is having this self-awareness and the confidence and the permission to live our best lives, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever our our own individual ideas of success are so vastly different. Um, what yours looks like could be very, very different from mine. And that's awesome because we need to follow our own idea of what success looks like. And empowerment to me is having that, uh, giving ourselves that permission, recognizing we can do it, having that confidence, and then taking a little bit of action. You know, action begets more confidence and courage and so forth. So it's not being scared to, or or I should not say that, I should say acting in spite of the fear, you know, mm-hmm. and but with some wisdom and, and awareness. Yeah, so using that definition of empowerment, tell me what, what can someone do if they're not in action, if they're feeling like their life is completely out of balance and they're just at this phase of, 
I can't think straight. I, it's hard for me to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just entrenched in all of the momming. Mm. What's like a next baby step she can make towards feeling like her life is more in balance? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a two-pronged approach to to balance and and it can be very, very simple. So the first part is starting your day with a very brief guided meditation. And that can be five minutes, that can be one minute, or that can be sitting up in your bed and taking three deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. So as some, but it's that pause, it's that deliberate pause, that habit that we start with every single day. And don't tell me you can't, you don't have time for three breaths because you do. <laughs> uh, so, you know, to start there, that is very grounding and it, it, that pause helps us pull out of automatic pilot. So we're not on to just putting out all the fires that we tend to put out all day long. We are intentional. And so then we might learn, hey, I can carve out two minutes or five minutes or something. And so trying to make that space for ourselves. Um, then the other piece is what I talk about, those mindful breaks, which are these opportunities and reminders to pull ourselves out of automatic pilot in the midst of our full day. So we can take a coffee mindful break instead of chugging our coffee or a cup of tea in the morning, really pausing for, again, it can be 10 seconds, or you can stretch that out mm. to 10 minutes and use your senses to be aware of the feel of the mug and the warmth of it and this, the aroma and the taste and feeling the warmth move down into your stomach as you take that first sip. So that's a very different way of having your cup of coffee or tea in the morning. You can take a mindful break while you're driving, while you're carpooling your kids, you know, instead of putting on the radio or the podcast or something like that, just again, take 20 seconds or stretch it out to as long as you'd like, feel your hands on the wheel, drop your shoulders, feel your body, feel your breath, notice what you see in line at the grocery store. I mean, all kinds of opportunities that we can just pause and notice. And what we start to realize as we do this is that it interrupts that low-level fight or flight that we tend to, to live in all day long, which this is exhausting because we're tight. Our muscles are tight. We're breathing shallowly in our chest. It's like, what's next? My to-do list. That's all I could think about where I'm worrying and I'm what-ifing. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing us back to right now. And that becomes more of a practice and a habit. So I say, start with back to that first, when you wake up in the morning, three breaths, one minute, five minute meditation, choose one mindful break, and then start there. Do that every day for a week or two. That starts to become a habit. Then you stack on another mindful break in your day. Um, when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm going to just really notice brushing my teeth, whatever that is. And so before you know it, your day is sprinkled with mindful breaks. So it's a really simple way to pull us out of autopilot and back into our lives. So we have more choice in what we want to uh, spend our time on and where we want to go with our goals. So, so that's the kind of the long answer. I would say too, with awareness, as we start to become more aware, we start to notice, I, we don't even maybe know. We just know I'm in survival mode right now. I don't know what I need. I don't know what that looks like. Like you said, I don't know where to start. But first we need to ask ourselves, what am I craving? Because sometimes it's like, I want a nap. I want quiet. I want no one to talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about that when I was, when my son was in preschool and I was like, oh my gosh, in that phase where he would nonstop talk, chatter, chatter, chatter. And you're like, I was like, I am not listening to podcasts. Are you kidding me? In my downtime, I want silence. Mm -hmm. But now I have a lot of silence and I want, I love to listen to podcasts. I, I don't mind that. So it's again, that phase of our lives. So what are we craving? 
maybe it's rest. But if we're someone who is more prone to inactivity, and you said about that action step, then it's like, what is one tiny action step I can take? Maybe it's I go outside and walk my dog for five minutes, or I get down on the floor and stretch for five minutes. It's something that what is my what am I needing and craving? Not because I should, but because I really need it and crave mm-hmm. it. My body is telling me this. And then how do you make that happen in the smallest, smallest bite? Mm. Because because we deserve it. We deserve it. We need to do this because if we can't do it for ourselves, we'll be better parents for our kids. Yeah. Yes. So if you're listening to this, you have a moment to do one of these mindfulness practices and we're going to do it right now. Shonda, would you just be very meta and lead us through a a brief mindfulness practice just to show us how very easy it is. Sure. So a really helpful one is the triangle of awareness. This is the triangle tune in. So if you think about a triangle, the three points of the triangle correspond to our thoughts, our body sensations, and our emotions. And any point in our day, again, I don't need to stop what I'm doing. I can be driving and doing this or whatever. I check in with my triangle. What am I thinking about right now? Okay, I'm thinking about what needs to happen when I get home today, what needs when I'm going to start dinner. That's my thought. My body sensations are whoop, look, my shoulders are up by my ears, or I'm tense in my back. So I can just adjust that. The emotions, maybe I'm feeling a low level anxiety, maybe I'm feeling, um, I don't know, whatever that emotion is. So anytime throughout our day, checking in with the triangle, our thoughts, our body sensations and our, <coughs> excuse me, and our emotions. And these can, this can really be helpful in a couple of different ways. Number one is just flat out awareness. It gives us information we might not otherwise recognize. Number two, if we're in an unpleasant situation, uh, let's say our toddler is having a meltdown on the floor or something like that, I can check in with my triangle or even just one part of my triangle. Often body sensations are easiest to access. So I might say, whoa, my jaw is so tense. My heart is pounding. I'm feeling flushed in my face. And that is a cue to pause and take a few deep breaths because I know I'm kind of in that fight or flight state. I'm not going to respond as well as I might if I'm calmer. Um, On the other side of that is if we're having a pleasant moment, I'm sitting and next to my son in bed at bedtime, I'm reading books together. He's at that age, we kind of, he reads his book, I read my book. And I feel his little body next to mine, the warmth. It's that quiet, but he's right there. And I, my triangle could be, my thought is like, oh, I love these moments. He's getting big so quickly. Uh, My heart, my body sensations are um, warmth in my chest. My body's relaxed and the emotions are love, pride. You know, then it's, we quickly can switch into that bittersweet feeling of it's going away. It's happening so fast. He's going to be mm-hmm. in college, you know, and, and on and on we go. But it's savoring that moment. That's really this ordinary moment that I might just pass by. If I'm not aware, I might be either in my book or I might be thinking about what has to happen. We got to get up and brush teeth and da 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 da. Um, now, just talking to you about it, mm-hmm. I can conjure up that memory and I can feel that in my body. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful is that? So the triangle is used for all sorts of purposes, but it's quick, even though I took a while to talk about it. (laughs) Yes. And it sounds very um, much like co-regulation too. So that when when we can kind of regulate our own selves by tuning into our experience, 
our kids feed off of that. Oh, absolutely. Yes, they do. Yes. <laughs> so sure. why is it hard? Why are these mindfulness practices hard? Like if they're so wonderful and yeah. work so well, why do we resist doing them? It is so hard for a bunch of reasons. I mean, I teach this for how many years and it's still I have to be like, oh my gosh, here we go, right? Like you, I don't have time to breathe. I'm too busy today or whatever is going on. Because we get into that that state of I have nonstop motion, I have so I have too much to do. So we can tell ourselves those kinds of stories. Um, it's really radical for us to just stop what we're doing. Um, it's very, it can be extremely uncomfortable at first, very unfamiliar. Like you want me to just stand here and do nothing for 10 seconds? Like that's what? Um, we feel like we're not being productive. We feel like yeah. we're not being efficient. But what we find, and I when I started doing this, you know, 20 or 20 years ago or so. I started realizing because I was definitely, and I still am, I love to get things done, cross them off my list. Um, I was more efficient, more productive when I practiced this. Because think about those days when you are frantic and you're feeling rushed, pressed for time. I'm dropping my keys. I'm spilling my coffee. I can't find this. You know, I'm, I'm scattered. But if I slow down just a notch, I am more efficient. I know where everything is. It's just smoother. And I can sustain my energy longer throughout the day, which we all love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all need that. So you're saying these are proven techniques. These, this isn't just something that you're saying works. Definitely. Science I mean, has proven that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Over the years. And also there's research. There's a ton of research about mindfulness and even just five minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear a little bit about your book, too. Um, tell us about, were you, a, as you were writing this book, were you able to maintain your balancing practices, also being a mom, also being a wife, being an author, were you able to actually do what you say to do in your book? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's funny you say that. I have a friend who um, is my age and I'm, I'm 52. She, her kids are grown and out of the house and she was just texted me and said, sorry, I was out of commission this weekend or out of touch this weekend. I was diving into writing my book and I was like, wow, I can imagine. I can't imagine having had like a whole weekend to just write because you can get into that space, but it was not like that. It was like carve out or really create this like one or two hours here, or I would definitely like try to carve out a whole afternoon somewhere. But um Yes, it didn't. It didn't always feel balanced. I tried. I always try. But like everyone else, I fell out of balance. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I had to be super, super intentional about my time when I was writing these books. It was okay. For six months, I am saying no to practically everything except like occasionally getting together with friends or, you know, it was very much saying no to everything else except my family and my top priorities um, because I needed to make that happen. And I knew I could, you know, once again, say yes to things again after, but, um, but yeah, writing is a time consuming process. It is way more than you ever know. Yeah. You wrote a book and yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's time consuming. It's time consuming and it takes so much focus and yes. attention. So I think this is this part is really important is presencing what balance is. Mm. I used to be a yoga teacher in a past life. <laughs> and literally when we're balancing on one foot, 
the other foot is lifted. So we mm-hmm. are focusing on the one foot mm-hmm. or even walking, right? We're putting one foot in front of the other, which means we're lifting the other foot off the ground. Mm. So balance doesn't always mean, it in fact doesn't mean that we've everything is grounded and we're super steady and super secure. Balance is kind of, includes being out of balance, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely fluid and fluid. Mm -hmm. And it's more about, okay. And so I knew life would feel out of balance for six months while I was writing my book. I mean, out of balance for what normal balance would look like for me or what my ideal kind of balance is. But that's fine. That was intentional and it was purposeful. And then I really tried to be conscious of how I was spending my, you know, a lot of my time. Um, And now I, I start to notice if I'm falling out of balance um, like for example, I just might be like sighing a whole lot. Um, just kind of like, and I'm like, Oh, wait, wait, like things are feeling like more. I have to's instead of I get to's what's up here. You know, when I start to notice that, and then I feel like, um, you know, back in the fall, I was on a podcast tour to promote my, my second book and I loved it. I love doing podcasts and meeting and talking with people like this. Uh, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot all in one kind of concentrated time. And I was starting to sigh at the end of that. So um, I knew, okay. Mm. And it was coming to an end. But again, I knew that was short, you know, short lived. Um, Or I might start to notice, especially since COVID, I've spent a lot of time with my family, my, you know, immediate family. We love to hike, we love to play outside and, and go outdoors and do adventures. And sometimes I'll be like, I love you people, but I need to go see some of my friends or I need to do something Mm -hmm. else outside of you all because I am craving that. So recognizing that and trying to make something like that happen, even if it takes three or four weeks for me to plan something out with some friends, um, that's okay too. It's just that awareness. Yeah. And I am also thinking scaffolding, you know, when we're balancing on our bodies and on one foot, it helps to have a wall next to us to help us uh, balance. Yes, support. Are there ways that we can scaffold, you know, say, and when you lift up on your toes, on your tippy toes, you sometimes need more support than you would if you were standing securely on the ground with both feet. Can you sure. talk a little bit about how we can build up support around us when we're maybe standing on our tippy toes? Yeah, well, I think sometimes it's helpful to have this idea. We want, if we're looking to create more balance, we want to start with something very, very practical and doable, which is again, one minute, five minutes. What is a habit that you can integrate that is so doable that you can make it happen on a regular basis, daily or a few times a week, whatever we're talking about, and let that become a habit. And then you stack on another habit because then it doesn't require time or energy or thought. It's just what you do. It's almost just like you don't leave the house without brushing your teeth in the morning. You just do that. You don't even think about it, but it's kind of the same thing. So that is something really important. And having uh, accountability partners is really helpful. Having a circle of people who are a community who are also really supporting one another, cheering each other on. That's definitely um, contagious in a positive way. Um, uh, in my second book, I talk about three types of mindful breaks. So there are breathe breaks, which are those calming and self-awareness breaks that I was kind of talking us through the triangle, the coffee mindful break. Then there are, um, becoming breaks, which are about assertiveness, confidence, um, when we need something like that. So some of us, maybe we're going back into the workforce after being home with kids or, 
have a promotion or want to take on a, a goal or a project and we're like, oh, imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know if I'm up for this. It's so uncomfortable. You pull out one of those breaks and they help us with our confidence, assertiveness, and they're empowering. And then there are balance breaks, which are when you feel like the balance is off, how do I kind of recalibrate a little bit and get back a little bit? I always talk about, um, um, I can't think of the word. Continuum, continuum, uh, Ooh. Uh, continuums. So it's like you were talking before about somebody who is maybe inactive or they need mm-hmm. to kind of push themselves to get moving. Yes. And then there's somebody, there are some of us who are over functioners who are yes. overdoers. So it's knowing where we fall on those continuums and trying to move a little bit more towards center, toward that balance. Um, same thing with like some of us are risk takers and some of us are risk averse, knowing where we fall. How do we move a little bit more towards center? So that's that idea of balance too. It's super gentle. It's super small and attainable. And, you know, and over time we look back and we're like, Hey, look at me. I've done some of the, you know, mm. the, the, what we can make happen if we take it really small on a daily basis. When you look back in a year, it's pretty amazing what we can accomplish. And how often we don't do that, right? We don't look back and we don't celebrate our yes. even our big wins, let alone our tiny wins. So much so. I'm in a mastermind and we're we're constantly every three weeks we meet and talk about this and kind of it's so easy to be on to the next, on to the next, you know, and not never, you know, like you're saying, giving ourselves, I call them mommy high fives for like, mm. you know, I mean, first of all, keeping the kids alive when they're little, yeah. <laughs> getting getting everything done that we need to do. For sure. And being who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing that you're in a mastermind where you celebrate with the mommy high five. How did you create that opportunity for yourself? And how do you continue to like create that momentum? Masterminds? Yeah. Just like being in a group, you know, I lead uh, a group called the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we do as well. We celebrate even the small things because if we, we're always complaining otherwise, when we're in in our conversations, it's Mm -hmm. easy to talk about how hard it is. My child is not doing well in school or my partner is working all the time. And we get into this rut. And so it's so important, I think, to create support systems and leverage this celebration so that we're not just doing it kind of in our own heads, but we're doing it in community. Definitely. So uh, so the mastermind I am in, we're not all moms, actually. It is right. about more uh, entrepreneurial spirit. And, and that's, you know, we're all entrepreneurs. So that is work-wise. We're kind of celebrating each other and it's just what really is striking is how we can do it for each other. It's so hard. We forget, not only do we forget to do it for ourselves, but we just, yeah, we don't even think of it or see it. And somebody else can be like, Hey, do you see what you've done there? Do you Mm -hmm. see, do you know? (laughs) Um, And that's like, Oh, it's very, very heartwarming. And, uh, and it makes us feel good too, to make, to lift somebody else up. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, what creating these communities, you know, finding them, your community or other communities online, uh, creating one in your neighborhood or in your, in your school network, whatever that is like, you know, it's, it's hard as adults, I think, to make friends, you know, to like make ourselves vulnerable and be like, Hey, do you want to go for coffee? Do you want to go for a walk? But sometimes, uh, you know, it's just taking that little step to do that. So it's so important. 
Yes, it's so important. And speaking of taking that next step, what is a next step or a next empowering action that you would love our listeners to take? Yes. So if they are interested in hearing more about what I'm talking about, uh, they can go to my website. And if they sign up for my email list, I can send them five-minute guided meditation. It's my voice just guiding through a basic meditation. There's a guided coffee mindful break. There's a mindful log to track your practice. There is a Breathe Mama Breathe book club guide, my first book. So if you want to get together with those friends and kind of talk through some of this. Um, so that's a great place to get started. There are a whole bunch of resources there uh, that you can play around with and dive into. So I say just experiment and give it one week or two weeks to try one practice. That's mm. it. You know, and just cheer yourself on, um, you know, us perfectionists or recovering perfectionists want to say like, oh, this, you know, this practice, I'm going to take on five of five mindful breaks and I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes a day. Don't, don't please don't start mm -hmm. there. Start super, super simple um, because we have enough on our plates. And so, and I would also say uh, in, in terms of those mommy high fives, you know, be aware of every day. Can you talk to yourself as if you talk to somebody you really love and care about and cheer yourself on. Um, we mm. need that so much. And that definitely, like you mentioned, trickles down to our kids when we're mm -hmm. feeling good about ourselves. That just radiates out from us and our kids feel it. And, you know, we're just better for everyone and ourselves. So true. So, so, so true. Is there anything else, Shonda, that you want to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? I would say if you're interested, I am running, I have a Breathe Mama Breathe six-week uh, virtual group coaching course. So if that's something that speaks to you, we dive into all of these practices in a group community and it's small and intimate. Um, that's something you can check out too on my website. And I love to hear from uh, women. So connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and just tell me, tell me what you're struggling with. Tell me what is working well. And I love to connect. And we'll have links to all of those in the notes. Great. Thank you again, Shonda. Until next time, find your balance. Bye. Bye-bye. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. You.